Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Scary movies from the 80s. You gotta love them, man. Even though they didn't have the technology they have today, I still like watching them old movies. Me personally, I was more of a fan of Friday the 13th and Freddy Krueger, though. You know, they say uh, a lot of those scary movies from the 80s were really cursed, and strange things would happen on the set. Movies like The Exorcist, the Old Man, Rosemary Baby, a lot of other movies, man, they say it was cursed. But I want to take y'all back to 1982 when the movie Poltergeist first came out. Stephen King was supposed to help write the script, but lack of communication between him and Steven Spielberg is what stopped them from collaborating on that film together. Most of the creepy scenes in that movie was inspired by the directors because they had been scared of clowns, they were scared of trees since they was little kids. But the movie Poltergeist was inspired by the, uh, the show Twilight Zone. It was a Twilight Zone episode called Little Girl Lost, which was about a little girl who goes into another dimension through her bedroom wall. A lot of people say the Poltergeist was cursed, man. During filming, actress Joe Beth Williams who played the mother, had to spend a whole week filming a scene in a pool of muddy water, dirt, and skeletons. Now, she thought they was just prop skeletons, but to save money, Steven Spielberg bought real skeletons from India because they were a lot cheaper. Some really believe that that might have been the cause of the curse of the poltergeist. Actor Oliver Robbins, who played Robbie, Carol Ann's brother, was almost strangled to death in the clown scene when the clown's arm got stuck around his neck for real. While filming, director Steven Spielberg and Toby Hooper thought he was just doing a good job of acting, but his face started turning purple. That's when they rushed over to remove the clown's hands from around his neck. Another cast member, actor Richard Lawson, y'all might know him as the guy who went on to marry Tina Knowles, Beyonce's mother, played Ryan, the parapsychologist, escaped death a couple of times after the movie but the big one came in 1992 when he survived the freak plane crash he said when he got on the plane he had a bad feeling the plane ended up crashing into the water and he was trapped underwater for several minutes before being rescued luckily earlier that day the airport ticket agent upgraded him to first class and gave him a coach seat and the person that got his originally signed seat died in that crash 27 passengers died out of 51 flying on that plane that day. Another cast member, actor Julian Beck, who played Reverend Kane in Poltergeist 2, died while filming the movie in September 1985 from stomach cancer. 
which he was already diagnosed with though prior to doing the film. They had to use a double and voice artist to complete his role. Another cast member, Lou Perryman, who played Pugsley, a construction worker, in the original uh, Poltergeist, was murdered in 2009 after an ex-con with a history of mental illness knocked on his door at his house in Texas and chopped his body to pieces with an axe. Another cast member who played in Poltergeist 2, Native American actor William Sampson, who played Taylor, the medicine man, he had to perform a real exorcism on the set because cast and staff members felt an evil presence. He died a year later from complications from a kidney transplant. Now, let's get into the last two cast members who died after starring in the movie Poltergeist. First one is Dominique Dunn. Now, Dominique Dunn was born November 23, 1959 in Santa Monica, California. She was the only daughter of her parents, Ellen Dunn and Dominique Dunn. And Dominique Dunn was a Hollywood producer, actor, and writer for the magazine Vanity Fair. She also had two older brothers and two older sisters. But her two older sisters died right after birth from a lung disease. In 1967, her parents divorced when she was about 11 years old. But they remained good friends. Even though her parents weren't together, Dominique still followed in her father's footsteps and wanted to act in Hollywood. Her mother ended up being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and was confined to a wheelchair and had to sell the house the family grew up in because it was just too big for her to move around in as her health got worse. After that, Dominique started to take her acting career serious and started appearing in stage shows and some plays. Now known as a rising star in Hollywood, she starred in movies like Diary of a Teenage Hitchhiker and The Date Eleven Stop. She also landed roles on several major TV series such as Breaking Away, Lou Grant, and Fame. Now see, around that time, she had met a guy named John Sweeney, who was a chef at a famous L.A. restaurant where a lot of Hollywood stars would hang out and eat. And after only a few weeks of dating, Dominique and John moved into a one-bedroom house in West Hollywood together. But in 1982, she would land her biggest role which was the movie Poltergeist as Dana Freeling, the oldest daughter. After the success of Poltergeist, Dominique began to receive more TV role offers and was making a name for herself. But see, her boyfriend John Sweeney was becoming more jealous and possessive though. He wanted to be everywhere she went from her acting classes. He would show up on movie sets when she was working. He didn't want her to do no love scenes with male actors or nothing. One time when she brought him to New York to meet her father and her brothers, they sensed something was crazy about him. When he beat up a fan in the restaurant who was just saying hi to Dominique. After that incident though, Dominique broke up with John. But then he started stalking her, showing up everywhere she would go, begging for her to give him another chance. I mean, she would end up taking him back, but the relationship would get worse with physical abuse. Like he pulled her hair out of her scalp, and one time her friend saved her after hearing gagging noises from Dominique from her boyfriend choking her trying to kill her. And look, during that time, she had a role as an abused teen in an episode of Hill Street Blues. And they say that she didn't even need makeup for the scene because she had real bruises on her face and neck. And they thought she just came ready for the role. But that's when Dominique called it quits for good 
and made John move out the house and she had the locks changed. But on October 30th, 1982, a few weeks after her breakup with John, Dominique was at her house rehearsing for the miniseries V with actor David Packer when her boyfriend John popped up wanting to talk. Not wanting him to cause a big scene, she ended up going outside to talk to him. Actor David Packer said he heard a lot of yelling and smacking sounds and then he heard two screams and a thump. He called the police but they said her home address was out of the police department's jurisdiction. David Packer then called one of his friends and told him that if he was found dead, a guy named John Sweeney did it. Scared for his life, David Packer snuck out of the back door and headed to the front of the driveway. And that's where he saw John over Dominique. John told him to call the police, which this time the police came. When the police arrived, John confessed to them that he killed Dominique and he tried to kill himself by swallowing pills. But investigators found no evidence that he had swallowed pills. He was arrested and charged with attempted murder. After that, Dominique was rushed to the hospital and placed on life support to keep her heart beating. And she never regained consciousness because John Sweeney choked her for almost five minutes. Five days later, on November 4th, 1982, Dominique's heart never beat again. She never gained consciousness and she simply just died. So the family decided to take her off life support. After her death, now John was charged with first degree murder. But somehow, the judge was on his side, treating him like he was the victim. They didn't let the jury hear John Sweeney's former girlfriend, Lillian Pierce's testimony, who said that he did the same thing to her, but she escaped with a broken nose and a collapsed lung. He wouldn't let Dominique's friends take the stand to speak about their relationship. The judge told Dominique's family, if anybody in her family cries, cries out, roll their eyes, they will be asked to leave this courtroom. John Sweeney's attorney made it look like it was Dominique's fault for not staying in a relationship with John Sweeney. And on November 7th, 1983, John Sweeney was only sentenced to six years in prison for manslaughter, plus an extra six months for the assault charge. But in September 1986, he was released on parole after only serving three years. Wow. She was 22 years old. R.I.P. Dominique Dunn. The last story here is about Heather O'Rourke. Now, Heather was born on December 27, 1975 in San Diego, California. She was a fraternal twin to an unborn baby brother. Now, after her mother Kathleen and her father Michael divorced in 1981, Kathleen moved Heather and her older sister Tammy to a trailer park in Anaheim near Disneyland, where she later married a man named James Peel. Now see, during that time, Heather's big sister, Tammy, who was three years older than her, was into modeling, dancing, and acting, and Heather idolized her. By age three, Heather landed a couple of roles in commercials like for the toy company Mattel, Rainbow Bright, and McDonald's. Her sister Tammy ended up with a role in the movie Pennies from Heaven, and one day, Heather and her mother was on the set waiting for her to finish. Now, while waiting in the MGM commissary eating lunch, Heather's mother told her to sit tight. Don't talk to any strangers. She'll be right back. While waiting for her mother, 
a man came up to her, asking her her name. After telling the man she wasn't allowed to talk to strangers, the man decided to wait for her parents to return. Once Heather's mother returned, the man introduced himself as Steven Spielberg, and he wanted Heather in his next movie. The next day, she auditioned for Steven Spielberg, and he gave her the role. Now see, Drew Barrymore at first was supposed to play the role of Carol Ann, but Steven Spielberg decided she would be a better fit for E.T., which happened to come out one week after Poltergeist. On the set, everybody loved Heather. They said she could memorize a 60-page script in about an hour. She was a real natural talent and could read at the age of five. Poltergeist was released on June 4, 1982, grossing over $77 million, making it the highest grossing horror film in 1982 during the time. After the movie was successful, Heather earned a big payday with money, and her mother moved them to a nice home, and everybody in Hollywood was trying to cast her for roles. She had recurring roles on the show Happy Days as Heather Feister, the show Webster as Melanie, and the new Leave it to Beaver as Heather, and plenty of other shows during that time. In 1986, Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, was released, but it didn't do the numbers like the original one did, though. A lot of fans really didn't like Part 2, even though it did introduce Reverend Kane in the movie, who I thought was scary, but a lot of fans didn't like it. Also, for some reason, Heather didn't like Poltergeist 2 either, and her family said she really never gave a reason why she didn't like it, though. Months after Poltergeist 2 came out, Heather became very sick, and the doctor said she had the flu and gave her some medicine. But her symptoms continued to get worse while filming Poltergeist 3, from stomach pains, feet swelling, and she kept throwing up a lot. Her mother took her back to the doctor. They did x-rays, and this time, they said she had Crohn's disease, which is an inflammatory bowel disease. So the doctors, they put her on cortisone, which had caused her face to puff up, as you can see in the movie Poltergeist 3. After that, Heather seemed to feel better, and her health was back on track. But on January 31st, 1988, Heather woke up throwing up again and told her mother she couldn't swallow. Her mom noticed her fingers and toes were blue, and she started to breathe real heavy. And about 20 seconds later, she collapsed on the floor. When the paramedics arrived, Heather suffered cardiac arrest and lost consciousness, and paramedics tried to revive her by performing CPR, but she was technically dead by the time she reached the hospital. But once in the hospital, doctors had brought her back to life, and they flew her to the Children's Hospital and Health Center in San Diego. Now, at the Children's Hospital, doctors noticed that she suffered cardiac arrest and that her pupils were dilated which could mean she had suffered brain damage and told Heather's mom that she was suffering from a bowel obstruction and they needed to perform surgery. By the time doctors fixed that problem Heather was going through, it was too late. And at 2.43 p.m., Heather was pronounced dead from cardiac arrest caused by a leakage of her septic waste that went into her organs, which caused septic shock. She was buried at Westwood Village Memorial Park Cemetery on February 5th, 1988, alongside Dominique Dunn, who was murdered in 1982 after Poltergeist. But on May 25th, 1988, her mother Kathleen filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Kaiser Foundation Hospital in San Diego, 
claiming that they failed to properly diagnose Heather's long-standing small bowel obstruction. And if they would have never treated her for Crohn's disease with prescription drugs, she could have been cured by a simple operation and their misdiagnosis caused Heather's death. Basically, man, I mean, this hospital had treated Heather all her life since she was born. And the doctors, they just failed to recognize that she had a bowel obstruction since her birth and misdiagnosed her condition. As a result, they prescribed medication instead of a simple operation that could have just saved her. The case was settled out of court for an undisclosed sum of money. She was 12 years old. R.I.P. Heather O'Rourke. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.